It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner, Fish Facts TV. And I'm Captain Tim. All right, guys, another exciting episode this week. I kind of did some fishing. Tim fished a tournament. Neither of us did as well as we would have liked to, but we both did okay. So we will discuss, and I think you guys will enjoy. Tim, what about you? Uh, you got any opening opening thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I figured we would wait till I explain to really let the uh, the audience down. But uh, you know, um, I didn't do as great as I'd hoped. But you know, we'll get into that later. Um, Tanner, do you want to kick it off and tell us what you got into? Yeah, I will start uh, at the beginning, I guess, my, my failed attempt to fish. So I, I had the kayak again. My sister-in-law was in town, so we were going to take the boat out, and she wanted to go snorkeling. She loves snorkeling. So Saturday, I still wanted to get out there. I've been seeing a lot of mullet in the canals lately. So I got out there and I was thinking I was going to maybe try to catch a mullet in a canal because um, I'd caught some earlier in the week when I was on my morning jog. I caught a mullet. I'd been, I've been seeing a lot of snook uh, in these little canals near the University of Miami, but I cannot get them to bite. I've thrown all sorts of artificials at them in the morning. Like I'll go on my morning jog and I bring a little swim bait. And, you know, those first couple times I was getting bites, but lately you know, I, I got a couple nibbles today, but I think it's just little jacks. These snook don't seem to bite. So I was thinking about just slow trolling uh, one of these big mullet through the canal, but I was too lazy to wake up early and fish in this one canal where I know I can catch mullet because the water's shallow. So I just brought the cast net on the kayak. I probably casted 20 times um, at this school of mullet, but the water was just too deep. And especially because the fact that I was fishing, um, fishing on a kayak. It was just too tough. So um, gave up on that, and I just started trolling a little Yozuri. I actually tried to buy shrimp, but the both my bait shops were out of shrimp. So no live bait. Um, trolling this Yozuri. I got a, I got a podcast on, and uh, I hear something funny. Don't really think about it. Keep paddling, trolling this Yozuri, seeing if I can pick up a barracuda. And I go to uh, – turn back again. And I realized that one of my rods is gone. Um, oh, no. the, the bump that I heard, um, I think was my rod getting hung on. Uh, Cause I, I had, I had a little gold shrimp on there and I had reeled it all the way up. Um, and I think it must've hung on like a tree or a dock and just gotten pulled right over. So, uh, you know, I'd probably gone four or 500 feet since I heard that sound. So I did not have a very specific location. I went back and dragged a heavy jig for a little bit, um, but I did not get anything. So after that, I was a little disheartened, paddled a little bit further, but it was already getting late by the time I messed around with the jig um, and I lost my rod and didn't catch any mullet. So I decided to just head back um, before I even got to the dock, I went on Amazon and I ordered another rod. Uh, the pen, uh, so I had a 4,500 Spinfisher VI. I ordered a 3,500 because they were on sale. Same rod. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, that was that. A very slow and uneventful fishing trip. But the silver lining, so I ordered that 
10 reel from Amazon. It arrived the next day, but for some reason, Amazon made a mistake and sent me two. So, huh. uh, and I did some research and it sounds like if Amazon makes that mistake, then it's their bad and you get to keep it. And so now I have two 10 uh, Spin Fisher VI 3500s and I, I made a little bit of lemonade out of that lemon. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, yeah, I would probably have some choice words if uh, I was kayaking and realized that, you know, just not paying attention or just whatever happened. And, and really, who knows, to find out that I lost my rod, I would be rather upset. Um, so it sounds like, and, and I don't know if you just spared us the details, but yeah, you, you handled it, kept your cool on that. But that's, uh, that's really a bummer. I hate to hear that. That, that stinks. But you know, um, getting a free reel, you know, brand new reel, you, you, you upgraded with a brand new, brand new spinning reel and you got a free one. So heck yeah, man, that that's pretty cool. Um, you know, not, it doesn't usually happen like that, but, uh, it worked out for you. It did. It did, you know, still disappointing, but, uh, you know, you kind of got to take the good with the bad and that's what I did. So uh, moving on the next day, like I said, we were going out to that snorkeling trip. Um, we got out in the boat and usually my wife and her sister just like to cruise around downtown Miami, but I did bring um, the snorkeling gear and there was a storm. So we started to run south to kind of get away from the storm. And I, I have a guy that I talked to on Fishbacks that, that had recommended going down to Soldier Key which I don't know if you know about Soldier Key, but it's technically like from like a geologic perspective, the first um, of, the, of the Florida Keys. So Key Biscayne ends and then there's Stiltsville and then further south of Stiltsville by about three or four more miles, there's Soldier Key. It's a very small island um, surrounded by mangroves. I think there's a lot of birds on there, but there's no, no permanent civilization. And it's, you know, probably two to three miles from the nearest point of land. Like it's right on the line that connects. Like if you look at that shallow line, basically from the end of Key Biscayne all the way to the north tip of Isla Mirada, you know, there's basically a line of shallows and there's a few little islands, Elliot Key, if you go further south. Um, and then uh, Boca Chita, I think it is, is in between there. So Soldier Key, we went on, um, there's a little channel right there. So I'd never been there before, just anchored up in the channel and the wife and her sister went snorkeling. The water was just crystal, crystal clear. Um, you know, some of the other areas we've snorkeled around Stiltsville, uh, the water's not as clear. There's a lot of current. This was the pretty perfect balance, you know, um, not too much current, very pretty. Um, and we saw all sorts of tangs and you know basically everything you want to see when you're snorkeling in the florida keys um it was really really beautiful and uh my wife claims that she saw a red drum and a black drum so i did not see them i was i was manning the boat at that time um i was tossing a little gulp shrimp to see if i could find anything you know i know there's bonefish in that area and we were right on the edge of the flat and the channel did not see any bonefish, but I did manage to catch two fish uh, on that little gulp. I caught a uh, white grunt and I caught a Nassau grouper. So Whoa. it was uh, not a terrible day. Uh, two little fish. I mean, the grouper was probably 
10 inches, but, uh, you know, still fun to get a little tug on the line while the wife's doing some snorkeling, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, you mentioned bonefish. That's right where my mind went, you know, good water quality kind of away from the uh, hustle and bustle of Miami and, and north of, you know, Key Largo. I, I know that there was, you know, bonefish in that area. So I was hoping maybe you got into one. But a Nassau grouper, um, that's really cool, man. I, I know that they are uh, not too common. Um, that, that's awesome. So have you caught one down in that area or, or in Miami or, or ever before? Or is that a first for you? I did. I caught one about a year ago, maybe a year and change ago, fishing um, off Key Biscayne on the, on the little patch reefs in about 25 feet of water. That was a little bit bigger. This one was pretty small. But uh, they're, they're, it's one of those things where when you catch one, you almost think it's a red grouper at first. And then when you see it, you're like, no, that's, that's a little different. So I feel like this time I knew immediately that it was a Nassau. You know, maybe the second I pulled it out of the water, I was like, oh, it's a ret. And then before I could even finish saying, it was like, that is a Nassau grouper. So just incredibly beautiful fish. I know they're, they're pretty rare. So it's always good to see them. Uh, doing well and, you know, get, get it back in the water as soon as you can. Yeah. No question on that. Um, I've, I've caught them before. It's been, I don't, I don't even know, 10, 12 years probably. Um, so that's, I'm jealous, man. That, that's really cool. The last one I caught was down in Eleuthera and the Bahamas. Um, so um, a, a fair ways away from where I'm at now, you're a little closer. But uh, I love to hear it. You know, I, I'd love for them to rebound a little bit and, and, and be more commonplace just because they are a really cool grouper species. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what about you, Tim? Let's, uh, let's hear about this tournament. Yeah. So the, the tournament overall, it's, it's called the, the King of the Beach. And uh, it's a kingfish tournament. So a king mackerel tournament um, <clears throat> takes place out of Madeira Beach, Florida. They have a spring tournament that, that it takes place in late April, early May, and then they'll have, have a fall tournament as well. Um, these are big money tournaments. So there was, I think, about 700 boats um, that registered to fish this tournament. So that's just a crazy amount of people fishing out on the water. And the, the winning team payout was well over $100,000. Um, so there's, there's good money in it. Um, the, the whole structure of the tournament is that you can't fish before 6 a.m. the day of the tournament, and you have to be in the weigh-in line with your fish checked before you get in the line before 5. So you don't have a ton, a ton of time to fish. I mean, you have all day, but, you know, if, if you catch a, a winning fish at 3 p.m. and you're 25 miles offshore, you got to run all the way in, et cetera. So like every king of the beach, um, the weather was absolutely terrible. Um, you know, it, it, when you compare it to other King of the Beach tournaments I've fished, the weather was better than average, but still, you know, 15, you know, gusting the 20 knot winds, um, all day, just cons consistently until, you know, pretty much you're done with fishing around three o'clock just isn't favorable. It's just, it's just not great. Um, I was on a 30 foot center console. It was a buddy of mine's boat. I wasn't fishing off my boat. This is actually the first time I fished with this individual. So we had kind of a, a bit of a learning curve ourselves, um, just kind of figuring out how we wanted to do things because he was technically the captain, you know, and he is a licensed captain. And then I have my ways of doing things. And, 
you know, we were all good. We, we made it work, but there was, like I said, there was a bit of a learning curve initially. Um, he was running some bigger stuff that I, I didn't want to run as far as line size. Uh, it was kind of affecting our trolling because given the fact that it was blowing so much and we knew it was going to be three to five foot seas, you know, out past 10 miles, um, we decided to, to stay pretty much within the shipping channel at the mouth of Tampa Bay out from about the number five marker all the way out to number one and past it to the whistle buoy. So the mouth of Tampa Bay has a major shipping lane that, you know, it's, it's dug down to in between 46 and 50 feet. And uh, it's just, it's just a highway for bait and for pelagic species for snapper for grouper. It's just a really good spot to fish. So I've had really good luck in the past trolling this area. Um, but because it was king of the beach and it was bad weather, and everyone in the world can't run out to that, you know, big depths and, and fish the deep because not everyone has those 40 foot center consoles. It was a parking lot. It was a zoo out there. <laughs> we were weaving and swerving through other boats. Um, we caught a lot of fish. If it was a Bonita tournament, we, we would have just been killed. <laughs> I don't know how many Bonita we caught. And, and, you know, you never know with trolling what, what's on the other end of the line. Right. So you know, we were running a uh, anywhere between a four and six rod spread with deep divers that were running to 40 feet and then 30 feet depth deep divers and then 20, then 15 and some surface plugs that maybe were running in between four and five feet deep and even trolling, uh, um, trolling ballyhoo, trolling skirts. We had everything that we could think of. We we're throwing it all out there throughout the day. Um, the big performer of the day um, was a pink Yozuri. Uh, crystal minnow, like a seven inch pink Yozuri crystal minnow that, that was pretty much the furthest bait we had out the back of the boat, way back there. We were running it, you know, 150 yards behind the boat just to, to get the spread really wide. So we didn't, so we didn't get tangled up if we, uh, if we hooked a fish, cause that's something of a concern. Maybe you hook a fish in the middle of your spread. You got to clear all these lines before it gets through and tangles you up and you lose a fish. So I lead all this up to the one that got away. So we were uh, um, going out of the channel, um, heading westbound, kind of with the swell at maybe 8 a.m. So we'd been fishing for like two hours. Um, already had a fair number of bonita that we had caught. And there's this 25-foot sea hunt that was right on our starboard side, maybe 150 feet away, fighting a fish. And he's, he's pretty much um, lateral with us as we pass him. We get well past him and that rod that's 150 yards out the back of the boat with that pink Yozuri. I mean, it just starts dumping line. So this is a, a, a 6,500 class um, pen. I, I, I don't remember what it is. I think it's a, I think it's a pen spin fisher. But um, I got it when, when uh, they were kind of doing research and development on if they wanted to produce it produce it. It's called a pen spinfisher long cast. So it has this spool on it that holds like a thousand yards of 15 pound monofilament. And I had this thing full up and within, it seemed like seconds, half of the spool was just completely dumped. Just this fish was screaming. So about the time we, we, this fish gets hooked, I'm on the rod. Um, my buddy Paul is driving um, we start clearing lines. I'm fighting this fish and, and our other guy on board, um, Chris, who I've fished before a few times, but nothing serious. Um, he's kind of a novice fisherman. He's clearing the lines. And as he's clearing the lines, 
he hooks up with a bonita. So now we got to fight in this bonita before we can turn the boat around and chase the big fish that I have on. So we get the bonita in and we're chasing this fish and we're going right into the teeth of the wind and I'm up on the bow and it's like I'm deadliest catch. There's waves, <laughs> you know, and spray and everything. And I'm chasing this thing down. And all of a sudden, Mr. Sea Hunt, who was over there fighting probably no. the before, goes right through um, in between me and the fish. And he's running 30 foot depth planers and we lost the fish. So don't, don't know what it was. Um, you know, if it was a Bonita, it was probably a jumbo Bonita. Um, it was a nice fish. It was, um, it wasn't doing the uh, kind of tuna, tuna flutter as you feel, you know, when you catch Bonita or skipjack tuna or blackfin or any, any tuna, and, you know, it wasn't doing that flutter. It was, you know, it had really, you know, kingfish qualities to me uh, that I think, and in hindsight, you know, I just, it just bums you out um, because that was that was the biggest fish we had hooked all day by by an exponential level. Um, we did catch one kingfish a little bit later than that. Um, nothing, nothing really, you know, of any major size. We didn't even weigh it in. We we decided that um, you know later on in the afternoon it'd just be better to kind of relax a little bit, not worry about rushing to the scales because we knew we weren't going to even place with the fish we caught. So. Um, had a great time. Um, bad day to be a Bonita, bad day to be a beer. Um, <laughs> we, we had a couple beers out there, um, you know, which is a little, I don't want to say different for me, but you know, as, as, as a guy who always is operating, right. I'm always the captain. I'm always the one running the boat. It was a different experience for me to kind of like sit back and relax a little bit. So, um, had a great time looking forward to doing it again in the fall. I'm sure the weather will be crappy, but, um, that's really what I got to report, man. Uh, um, it was a, it was a good day. Fish with with a new, a new guy. And, uh, I'm excited to fish with him again. He's a, he's a good boat operator and a good fisherman. So it's fun. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, it's really, really heartbreaking what happened. I, I, I haven't had many situations where, where you're fishing that tight of cover, but, uh, that's, that is, there's nothing worse than when you're, when you're at, in something like that and somebody just pulls that throat a stunt and uh, cuts you right off. Yeah. And uh, they, they figured out what happened and I actually was very respectful to them. I wasn't, you know, giving them the finger and screaming at them and throwing egg weights at them, you know, but they, they figured out what happened pretty quick. And um, you know, I'd like to think that they were like, whoops, uh, that stinks. But um, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I kind of to, to expand a little bit on, on why I was having a little bit of trouble early. Um, the guy I was fishing with Paul, he's from New York and he's a big time tuna uh, fishing um, tournament guy. So all of his gear was just really, really big. I mean, super high class, nice stuff, but um, it took a while for, for him to kind of recognize that, you know, these huge Penn international rods and reels were just way, way overkill. <laughs> and that we needed to scale back and use some of my stuff. So by the end of the day, we were trolling all my stuff, but the bite really died. I mean, by 11 a.m., the, the bite completely died. We caught one Bonita after 11 a.m. And, and we even, you know, we even anchored up, um, ran out a little bit further just, just because, got on some structure and, and chummed, 
you know, a couple thousand sardines out there and had some live ones going and just still never happened. I, I don't know what, what really was the deal, but um, the kingfish bite really was never there. The bonita bite was. And to be honest with you, Tanner, the winning fish was only 38 pounds. That is not big for a kingfish, especially in this large of a tournament. I mean, there's been kingfish in the high 50s, low 60s that I've won it before. So all in all, it doesn't seem like the field had that great a day either. I'd like to think that the one I lost, or I don't want to think that the one I lost was probably a 40 pounder, but uh, you know, uh, you never know. And, and that's what keeps you going back out there and trying again. Yep. That's the way the game is played. And, you know, while disappointing, uh, sounds like you, uh, you left it all out there. So hopefully next time, uh, Hopefully next time you can close it out, but you never know. You know, speaking of tournaments, I was actually thinking about um, doing a yellowtail tournament myself later in May, but uh, we will see. I think I have the boat in Fort Lauderdale that day and the tournament starts at 5 a.m. So it might be tough with the boat club to uh, to really get out there early enough. All the big yellowtail will probably be caught before the sun comes up. So I'm not sure if it's really worth entering the tournament if uh if everybody's going to get out there so much earlier yeah that definitely kind of um prohibits prohibits you from from really being competitive but you know you can get lucky you can get unlucky i mean it's, it's all part of it you know if it's something that you want to do the, the the heck with it man give it a shot but um you know you obviously know what's best because that's a, a ways away and who knows the weather could be crappy or so many variables Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we will move to the fish of the week and it is something we've all, uh, we've all seen and caught the mosquito fish, uh, Gambasia affinis. Tim, what can you tell me about mosquito fish? So mosquito fish, um, they're pretty much everywhere and any little, um, creeks or ponds or, you know, Dish. you look out, <laughs> you did, I mean, really you just, you those tiny little fish, you know, and, and by and large, there may be other species mixed in, but, um, you know, mosquito fish, um, I used to catch them as a kid, a little kid with a little dip net in my backyard. And I would feed them to the aggressive fish that I had in my aquarium. I had a brackish water aquarium with, you know, um, bass in it. It's a largemouth bass. I had snook in there, redfish, little tiny guys, three, four inches long, um, just stuff that I caught in the cast net. And, and those fish would eat the, eat the, <laughs> I mean, they would ambush those mosquito fish whenever I dumped them in there. So um, really that's my only, you know, things of note with them. Um, I guess, you know, some of the bigger ones you could use as bait or something, but I've never tried. Um, but uh, how about you, Tanner? Oh yeah. As a kid, uh, you know, we used to catch them sometimes. Obviously they're always easy to catch in the net. Um, I think I actually had some in my aquarium. They're, they're live bearers. So unlike most fish, they actually have their babies live. Um, they, I, I did use them for bait as a kid. I would scoop them up in the dip net and uh, throw them on a little brim hook. And they're excellent bait for bluegills and small bass. So, uh, you know, I, I think just about every little fish eats them. They're, they're so plentiful in just about every bottle of water or bo body of water you can find. So, yeah, they're, they're fun to catch. I think they're actually invasive uh, in, in a lot of countries. They introduced them to eat the mosquito larvae and uh, they kind of gotten out of control. But here in the eastern United States, they are native 
they are common and uh, yeah, they definitely serve their purpose sitting on the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I'll take a couple more of them around and eat some more of that mosquito larvae. You know, um, I know the mosquitoes get bad where you're at and they definitely get bad over here. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't have fed so many to the bass. You know, uh, hard, hard to say uh, what you did to put a real dent in the population, but um, you know, maybe, maybe you did. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd like to think that the, the couple dozen over the years I had those fish, uh, maybe, maybe it didn't create a big impact, but you know, you never know. All right. Well, guys, uh, I think we will end it here today. Remember, like, subscribe, leave us five stars, what have you, you know, whatever. Paint us in the in the most favorable light possible. And uh, hopefully we'll catch you next week. I'm supposed to take out the kayak or Friday morning. So uh, I'm, I'm going to a spot I haven't been in a couple of years. And uh, I'm really, really hopeful for it. Nice. Um, I'm planning on taking out the boat this Sunday. It's uh, Mother's Day this Sunday, so I'm taking out my mom, my dad, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law for a nice little boat trip. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of planning on picking them up at the dock um, a little later in the morning to give them some time to sleep in a little bit, and, and hopefully I'll be able to fish a little bit before then, but um, that will take some convincing out of my uh, my loving wife. So, um, hopefully I'll have some fun stuff to report on that front, but, uh, who knows? We shall see. Well, all right, Tim, we will call it a day, but, uh, I will uh, catch you next time. All right, Tanner. Uh, good talking with you and thank you everyone for listening.